Welcome, dear listeners, to the Overcoming Your Story podcast. Today, we have our first May guest, Arnold Etois uh, from the U.S. So he's from Cameroon originally, and he's based in the U.S. So um, I know we have a wonderful conversation. Arnold, are you, do you want to introduce yourself in your own words? Sure. Thanks, Miriam. Thank you for having me, and thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I know you are doing great things, inviting people so that they can share, you know, inspiring story to help others. Uh, so my name is Arnold Etois. As you already mentioned, I am originally from Cameroon. I was born and raised in Yaoundé. Uh, I lived in Cameroon uh, until the age of 19, and I relocated to the U.S. and to join my mother. Uh, so I've been in the U.S. for about 15 years. So how have you been finding life in the U.S.? Well, to be honest, I've been more Americanized than Africanized, to be honest, because I've been here for quite a long time. And when I came to the U.S., I was still quite young. Uh, so I find myself having to readjust to my own culture because I've been here for quite some time. And when I came to the U.S., a lot of friends that I had were just American friends because I was told that if you want to make progress in the U.S., you have to interact with people from the U.S. because they will teach you the system. They will teach you how to adapt faster versus hanging out with uh, Cameroonian or African in general. They, re- they usually don't teach you, you know, the ropes around. Yeah. It, it's funny. My mom also told us that when we... Oh, were really? Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Um if there's a message you would like our listeners to to get from our conversation, what would that be if you had like a sentence of or two? Well, what I would say to the listener is um, don't ever let anything hold you back from pursuing your dreams. Don't ever let anything hold you back. Uh, I understand that we, all of us, we have a past, we have history, trauma, circumstances, whatever the case may be, but we shouldn't allow those that history to prevent us from moving forward. We should continue to fight and push and fight for our dreams because this is what this whole thing is about. Yes, it's amazing. Um, can I share with our listeners how we actually met? Oh, sure, you can. Yeah. So I don't know ex- exactly the name of the, the group. So we met on Facebook in, uh, I think it's a trauma recovery group. Somewhere. Yeah, childhood trauma survivor, trauma something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah trauma survivor. And uh, I was amazed to find a, an African man, a Cameroonian man with such awareness. So I saw a post of yours and then, yeah, I just had to interact with you because I just felt like you had done so much work to be aware of where, you still needed to do work and, you know, and not st- letting that stop you. So I just, I don't know. I just want us to have this discussion. Can you share Can you share with us how you grew up in Cameroon those first 19 years? Oh, yeah. Um, so basically being raised back home, um, my mom came to the U.S. when I was still very young because I stayed back home when she moved here. I was still very, very young. I believe I was, I think I was five or six years old. Um, And my father wasn't in the picture. He was not in the picture back then. 
Uh, so I was left back home by my uncles to raise me. And uh, I would say it was hell. You know, um, it, I was literally getting beat up every day or every almost every day, every week. I was neglected. I was abused. Um, so it was a lot of traumatic experience. And, you know, back home, we tolerate corporate punishment. But the reality is my corporate punishment was a severe to the point where you were bleeding all over, you were passing out because you were getting beat up, you know, for little things, you know. Um, so as a result, I had a rough childhood. And I grew up as a depressed child. You know, I, it was horrible. I've never smiled as a child. And uh, there was a point where I even contemplated suicide because back home we don't have resources. We don't have, well, we may have therapists, but you don't have anybody to talk to about how you feel emotionally. Um, so to me, when I was going through those experiences, I had no way out and I felt very hopeless. And at that time, at the age of 13, like I say, I contemplated suicide, um, but I didn't carry it out. Um, so from and that these moment- beatings, These beatings were from your maternal uncles. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel safe enough that you could tell your mom, even though she was far away, uh, what was happening to you? No, because what was happening is every time um, my mother would call, my uncle would get the phone because I didn't have a cell phone. It was like the landline phone. When she called, um, he would get the phone. He would tell my mother about everything that bad, how bad I am as a child. Um, and when it's time for me to talk on the phone with her, she would just start screaming at me on the phone. Hey, I'm hearing you acting this way. I'm hearing you doing this. You know, I, because she already heard that I'm doing, I'm a bad kid. Um, so I didn't, I never really got any chance to speak to her. Hey, do you know I'm being treated this way? Because she can only trust the word of her brother, you know. Um, but I never really got a chance to tell her that, hey, you know I'm being treated this kind of way because she already has, she already heard that I'm the one being a bad kid. Yeah. Wow. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's really rough. Um but were you able to make friends? So how did you view, view adults? How did you see the world? And how did you view yourself? Hmm. I saw that the world was cruel. People were cruel. You know, I developed very severe trust issues. At that point, I didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust any adults. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I just didn't trust anybody. And um, I felt that people were evil. And uh, because it, to me, it wasn't just a part of the abuse. It was a part of being neglected. I remember um, missing school for the entire year and no one noticed. No one what? And no one noticed. No one noticed. I would get up in the morning. I would get dressed. I would wear my uniform as if I'm going to school, but I was going to hang out with my friends. Um, and for a whole year. Yeah, right. Nobody noticed, and uh, nobody cares to ask about my progress report, my report card, or how well I'm doing in school. Nope. The whole year. And the way they found out is um, the school ended up contacting my uncle to find out what was going on because I haven't been in school almost the entire year. Mm -hmm. That's how they find out. <laughs> 
wheel. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's how they found out. And, um, you know, the other thing was on my uncle was, um, he had a good job. So he was financially stable. Um, I remember, so he was well respected in the neighborhood. Um, but it was so bad to a point where I remember there was a time where I didn't have shoes to, to wear to go to school. Wow. Yeah, I didn't have shoes. And uh, I remember going to ask my friend, some friend that I had in the neighborhood for shoes to wear to go to school. And they would look at me as, you know, your uncle is very stable financially, has a very stable job. Your mom is in the U.S. How is it that you don't have shoes to wear to go to school? I mean, you live in this big gated house. You guys seem to be doing very well financially, but you need shoes. You come, you come to us as shoes for shoes to go to school. There's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This, this just, I totally see what you mean, and <laughs> I have many questions coming to my mind. It's Ask so. Ask all the questions you can. I'm here to answer them, but that's just the reality of my childhood. Yeah. No. It's uh. You really. I think people, we can have the vision of it the way you clearly, clearly explain it. And thank you for it's so important for us to talk about this because we tend to brush it under the carpet, not knowing that people will have consequences all their life. Some people, we have to battle, you know, and stay on our guards to to keep these things at bay, to keep on moving, right? Um, when you were talking about your uncle, did he have kids? And how did he treat his kids? Because in my experience, people treated their kids uh, better and then they treated you, um, as you just described, very bad. And, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the obvious. The, 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 the answer to your question is, I mean, you already answered it yourself. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's clearly obvious. I was definitely an outsider, you know, yeah. definitely an outsider. Um, I felt very lonely. I felt alone. I felt helpless. And to, I felt like an orphan because, you know, yeah. everybody, yeah. I had parents, but um, yeah, I know my dad was somewhere. I know my mom was in the U.S., but I felt alone. You know, and when I say I felt alone in the whole world, because there was, yeah. I felt like nobody really cared. And I remember my uncle would see me sad all the time. Like I said, I never smiled when I was a kid. He would see me sad all the time and he would ask me two questions. Did you eat? Yes. Are you sick? No. That's the end of the conversation. Yeah. That's the end of the conversation. So in his mind, it's really just, okay, if I'm providing a roof over your head, I'm feeding you. And uh, if you're sick, yeah, I can take care of that. But other than that, I can care less. Whether you are sad or depressed and feeling a certain kind of way emotionally, that is not his concern. Wow. Yeah. Many people back home think that um, if the if the child is fed, they have a roof over their head. That's all they need, and uh, we know that it's not like that. And uh, it's absolutely not like that. They are the physical needs, but they are the emotional needs of a child. Need to nurture so that the child will go into this world feeling they belong to a community. They belong to the human race, because that just cuts you off from humanity. It's as if you watching humanity and you don't belong to it because no one cares about your well-being it's uh yeah so wow all of this and then you get to leave cameroon at 19. yeah having lived a full life or even two oh, lives oh yeah um 
Yeah, having lived a full life, and uh, I remember by the time I left, you know, the abuse, it was no longer just, it was no longer the physical abuse because I was already a little bit older. It was more of a, you just do your life and uh, just, you, you're not an adult. You know, you take care of yourself. And uh, yeah, the physical abuse was no longer there. It was more of, okay, you do you. <laughs> yeah, you know. Kind of still ignoring you. And- yeah, yeah. Like, okay, you're an adult. You can take care of yourself. You know, that's, that's how the transition happened. And uh, at a very early age, I made a lot of decisions personally. The first decision was the fact that because I struggled so much and my dad wasn't around, and obviously as a male kid, you need a father figure, the first decision that I made at a very young age is that I would never have a child out of the wedlock, never. Because I don't want any of my kids to experience what I've been through. And I didn't want to take a chance to have a child with somebody that I'm not married to. So every relationship that I've gotten to, I always told those women, we're not not having any kids until I put a ring on your finger. No matter how crazy, you know, we're not doing that until we get married. So I can make sure that if I bring a child to this world, they are going to be raised with both parents in the house. Not one parent is living there, one parent is living there, the other parent is living there. Yeah, yeah it's true that when you've been through that, um, I'm the same with, I will, I will never abandon my child. I will never leave my child behind. It comes directly from, from my childhood experience. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to the U.S. I mean, like, ah, you meet your mom. Hmm. How is that? That's something too. Uh. So, um, yeah, when I came here, um, I met my mom. She, you know, she she has a she has a her whole family. Uh, she's married to uh, a man. They are they have three kids. My my siblings. Um, so you know, it's a whole family, and uh, you know, I felt a little bit. I felt much better because I felt like at least I'm coming to my family, my mother, my siblings, and uh, a stepdad, you know. So, you know, it wasn't, it was a good experience at the beginning. But because my mom already had this picture of the bad child that I was, as soon as I would do something wrong, she would just explode. (laughs) And uh, actually, she never knew you. She never. She never never got to know you. Yeah, she never knew me. And uh, my sibling are a lot younger when I got here. I was 19, but it was still, what, uh, the one after me is like 10 years younger than me. So he was like 10, 9, 8. So they were getting the nurturing and the attention and all of that. And they're looking at, and I'm I'm the adult. (laughs) I'm the adult child. <laughs> You're just watching that. What what yes. you would have actually needed yes. and that yes. you never got. Oh, I never wow. got. And I'm just watching that. And I, I can't get that because I'm already looked at, oh, you're an adult child. You, you're grown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. And even, even that connection is not there, right? Yeah, even that connect. And I would say even even until today, even my siblings are a lot older now. They, they're like around their 20, in the, their 20s. 
you know, we're all adult per se. They're a lot younger than me, but they're already adult too. At this stage, I, the attention, they still get more attention. <laughs> yeah. I'm more looked at, you know, as an adult, you know, yeah. I'm yeah, good. When you were always an adult, when you even when you were a child, right? Because, right. So I'm not you, even, were, you were on usually, your own. Usually, I have to, you know, I usually have to step in when there's a situation, an issue. That's when okay, I have to step up as the big brother of the family and all of that. Yeah, that's really interesting, though, because <laughs> you don't get the nurture, but you get the responsibility. Like, how do you exactly balance that? That's exactly what happened. After. How do you balance that? Do, don't you feel resentment? Like, I, I yeah. No. I had to, at one point, I just said, I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And this is based on the fact that going through what I went through at an early stage, um, I came to the realization that no one really cared. No one. No one. No one. That was my mindset. Um, when I was still young, going through what I was going through back home, I got to the point where no one, I mean, no one really cared because you can see people coming to you because they need something from you. No one is authentic. No one is genuine. And uh, I, I realized nobody really cared. And people who will act like they care is that they want something from you. Yeah. So at some point, it, it didn't bother me anymore because it was a part of my life. Mm. It was something that I realized at an early age. So, yeah. Yeah. So how did the relationship with your mother evolve? I would say we have a great relationship, but it's more of an adult type of relationship. My mom and I, we talk as if we were, she was my big sister. <laughs> There's no such, yeah. We literally have conversation as if we're brother and sister. There's no child and mother conversation. I mean, obviously I still give her the respect as my mother, but we pretty much have an adult relationship as an adult. When we, Like I said, when we talk on the phone, you would never notice the difference that, oh, this is the mother and this is the child. No. You would think that these are two siblings having a conversation because we, we talk about everything. Yeah. <laughs> we talk yeah. about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Um, those years, those 19 years, um, they can never, you can never get them back in your relationship. You can build a new, different relationship, mm -hmm. but you not, you, you cannot catch up. Sometimes people think that when you reunite like this, you catch up on time. You can never catch up on time. You cannot. Days. You cannot. And, yeah. and I made, I had made a decision that because of my childhood, I made a decision that I'm going to be a happy person as an adult. Because my childhood was very depressive, I made a decision that I I, as an adult, I'm going to be a happy person. And I love that. Yeah, I'm going to be a happy person. And it, when people interact with me, I'm always laughing. I'm always smiling. I'm, and I remember some some people will even ask me, why are you always laughing? And I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking that if you know what I've been through... Yeah. <laughs> Because if you've known, if you even have an you see me now, okay, I'll laugh, I'll smile. I don't let, th I've gotten to the point, I don't let things bother me anymore. Because I'm, regardless of there's a fire burning next door, I'm not stressing myself. I'm not beating yeah. myself up. I'm not, I'm just going to, and people usually, oh, why are you still so calm when certain things happen instead of freaking out? Why are you so positive? I made that decision because yeah. I, I told myself my childhood was this way, but my adulthood is not going to be the same. 
I really love that. Yeah. I really love that. But um, the other bad, the, the sad part about that part was in relationships. Yeah. <laughs> in relationships, yeah. um, I will get in relationship with women and um, I will date great women, you know, that I can... I could have potentially married and then uh, when things become serious to the point where you know what it's time to take it to the next level I will freak out I would think whatever I would think everything that's wrong with you and I will find a reason to let you go that fear of yeah. marrying the wrong person was definitely um, yeah a big problem yeah right now I'm married but mm-hmm. in order for me to get there, it was oof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to go through a lot of relationships, and uh, and I realized that oh, it's not the other person because it's it's me. It's it's really well, me. How did you realize that? Because sometimes we go through many relationships before we come. Before, if we are lucky, we come to the realization that the problem lies with us. Because I used to be that if you sent me a text and there was. Uh, you didn't spare something right, I would just not reply back. I'm like, oh my God, who's this person? He's not educated, you know? But at the end of the day, being so strict with others, over time I saw that, no, the problem oh, yeah, was me. Yeah. I was scared, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I noticed it was me because it was the same pattern. Mm-hmm. It was the same. It was, I had the same pattern. Um, I will get into the relationship. Uh, it, it's going it's, it's to go well. And I've, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've dated really good women in my life. Like I could have married any of them because they were great. <laughs> um, yeah. Long-term relationship, two, three years. But when it's, when it's become serious, I will freak out. When yeah. it's like, okay, let's talk about future marriage. Internally, I want that because I definitely want to get married. And I definitely want to have a family, but the fear of just getting into this and it doesn't work out and I go back to live an unhappy life, then mm-hmm. I'm going to find everything, you know, that's wrong with you. Throughout a relationship, I'm not going to blame you for anything. You're great. But when it's time to move forward, take it seriously, I will tell you how X, Y, and Z, everything that's wrong about you and I will make yeah. it about you, and I will leave. I'll be like, you know what? Because of X, Y, and Z, I don't think mm-hmm. this is going to work out. And then I will leave, and I, yeah. I would do that so that I'll feel I don't feel the guilt. I'll, mm-hmm. You know, I make yeah. people believe that okay, it's not about me, but it's about you. You're the one who will not write for me, but it's, mm-hmm. it's it wasn't the case. It wasn't really the case. Yeah, it's a form of self sabotage. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the pattern was just it happened so many times. And it got to the point where he, a friend of mine just told me one thing. And uh, he told me, listen, the grass will never be greener to the other side. So you can jump into all type of relationships, but don't think you're going to find that perfect person. Because it looks mm-hmm. like as soon as I see a little, a little something wrong, that's it. Mm-hmm. Because they also say um, trauma happens in a relationship, right? Like your uncles and they say healing happens in a relationship did you see that you were discovering parts of yourself as you went through these relationships yeah every relationship that i went through i've learned something about myself every, all of them i've learned i've learned about my issue because when you break up i mean those break up they i, I was getting hit too 
because it's not like I didn't love you. It's not like I didn't care about you. I cared about you, and I actually wanted to marry you. I actually wanted to build a life with with you, but it was fear. Fear was mm-hmm. holding me back. So yes, I am breaking up with you, but I'm getting affected too. I'm getting hurt too. So it wasn't easy for me. Yeah. And it's funny the way to numb that pain. I would just jump into the next relationship the next week. I'm up to the next. Oh wow! Week. Yes, the I'm next week. Yes, and the reason why I would do that is because I don't want to go through the emotional pain of the breakup. Yeah. I don't want to go through that. So the easiest way for me to, was for me to jump into the next relationship. Mm-hmm. And I would now would know as soon as I'm done here, next week I'm on to the next person. And I will mm-hmm. go through the same cycle because I don't want to go through the whole, you know what, you, you're thinking about the person, you miss them, it's not easy, no. Nah. I'm on to the next person. The next person will help me forget the previous person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until you get to that point again. So so how did you get to break it and actually marry? Wow. Um, it was a combination of everything. It was a combination of finding a the person that I felt peaceful with, number one. Number two, it was the awareness about myself that, okay, you know what? This person is not perfect, but this person is perfect for me. They're all flaws, and everybody will have flaws, but this person is going to be is good for me. Um, and the secondly, I was ready, because um, even though in those previous relationships, I always questioned, am I even ready to get married? I do want to get married, but am I ready? Um, so, and then it was really just finding the right person, feeling peaceful about it, and being ready. Those were really the three factors because I, I looked at every angle. I'm looking at a person, your belief, your morals, your families. I'm looking at everything, you know. And uh, yes, you may have flaws, but I have flaws too. We can work it out. But I have to look at the family. Is the foundation there? Yes. Then, yeah. That's mm-hmm. how it happened. <laughs> I'm sure you looked at it because uh, when you grow up, like you grew up, uh, you're you're used to doing those scans even since you're a child to scan to see who is safe what are the values yeah Yeah. i'm sure you did yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah i know you also have kids yeah oh you have three kids i have have twin boys Uh, they are four years old and uh, i have a daughter who's two yeah oh wow congratulations thank you (laughs) So I've yeah. been married for September 3rd is going to be the uh, fifth year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I also got married September 30th. Oh, really? No, so I'm, I'm September 3rd, not 30th. Oh, 3rd, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, 2016, yeah. 2016 too. Oh, okay. Yeah. You see? So almost five years. We're going to make it to five years next yeah. month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a milestone. Oh, yeah, most definitely to be celebrated. Um, Yeah, talking of celebrations, were you celebrated as a child? I think I know the answer, but, you know, like birthdays and... uh, No, no. Um, And to be honest, some of those things still follow me today because I don't know how to celebrate myself, not just birthday, myself in general. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I don't know how to celebrate myself. I will graduate. I will accomplish things. I mean, a birthday is really just another day. 
even when I accomplish something that a normal person would just celebrate and be joyful about to me, I would just be like, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's just another day. What's the big deal? You know, I was supposed to graduate anyway. This is what I needed to do. So what's the big deal? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we have to learn to celebrate. I'm I'm asking you. I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. My wife is usually the one who during my birthday should do a little something for me. But if it's up to me, it's just another day. Okay. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Okay. Just go on with my day. It's no big deal. Yeah. we learn with the kids because the kids we have to celebrate them. Oh yeah, yeah. the kids. I'm not putting yeah. my kids through that. Those are my children. Yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. So have how, how? Because when me I became a mom, I saw um, how my traumas actually woke up. You know. Yeah, it was really really hard. Um, so how did like when you became a parent? Did you like? Had you done had, because I hadn't done all the work, I didn't even realize until I became a parent and I saw that oh wow, what, what do I want to transmit to my kids from the childhood I had? I had a re crisis. This question was a, a spiral, you know, because all of a sudden I'm so I start questioning everything what, what was given to me and what am I going to give forward? What do I keep? What do I throw away? Do I throw it all away because these people hurt me? Do I keep certain things and give um, pass it forward? If I don't want to pass those things, how am I going to pass things that I don't know of? Because that's not how I was raised. So it was a real crisis. So how did you manage? Yeah, how did you manage um, that transition? Well, I mean, to me, is um, if you have love, you know, the transition to me shouldn't really be a problem. You know, I know how I feel about my children. They are the reason why I wake up every morning. Um, and the fact that the love is there, it gives you the motivation to just be there for them and be a good father and be a good parent. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Um, but the way I feel about them, you know, I do anything for them. And I always tell this to, I always tell this to people, if you want to throw my life away, touch one of our kids. Then I, I will, yeah. and I have no problem saying that I will shoot somebody for my kid. I don't care what people yeah. think or judge. That's how yeah. severe, that's how serious I am, overprotective. You know, yeah. if they mess with me, that's fine, but do not touch one of my child because I know I'm going to jail. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally understand you. And if you want to see my true colors, come for my kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much uh, for this very uh, rich first part of the conversation. Mm-hmm.